Praise God. It's always good to see you in God's house, and it's good to be back behind the pulpit. First thing I want to do is thank Pastor Darrell for filling in on those weeks where I have... Yes, let's go ahead and bless Pastor Darrell. Amen. He's lightened my load quite a bit and helped me focus on the building program that we're in the middle of. I pray that you continue to pray for all of us that are involved in that. The weather's been great. We've had one day of bad rain, but we're really coming along. We just ask God continue to move us forward. Amen. So it's great to see you in God's house tonight. The title of my message this evening is titled, Seven Things God Can't Do. I know that might sound kind of weird to you or odd to you, but I promise I'm going somewhere with it. Several years ago, I brought this same message to the church, and I just felt led in my time of prayer to bring it once again. It would probably be, it was designed actually to be a seven-week Uh, series, but I'm going to try to fit it in at least two weeks, maybe three weeks, but we'll see how the Lord directs. Before I go there, we'll one more time go to the Lord in prayer, just to prepare myself and prepare you to receive. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you once again for this day. It's the day that you've made. We rejoice. We're glad in it, Father God. We thank you that you've brought us through this day and brought us into your house. It's not by accident that we're here, Lord God. We might have made a conscious choice, but it's your spirit that led us here. It's your power that brought us here. So we pray, Father God, that our time tonight would be fruitful. It can only happen, Father, through the anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit. I need your touch. I need your anointing to rest upon me. Touch my mind, my body, my lips, my words, Lord, that you would be the one that would be heard and seen throughout this night. Your people need your anointing as well, Lord God, that they would have ears to hear and hearts to receive with gladness what you would speak into their lives. So we come against every hindering spirit, every distraction, Lord God. Pray that you would take your rightful place upon the throne of our heart, Lord. Let us not be distracted or dismayed by anything, Lord God, but let us just receive your word. We thank you for your presence in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I felt led to bring uh, this word once again a few years later than I did before because during times of difficulty and, and uncertainty, like I believe we're facing in our society today, uh, Uncertainty with the economy, uncertainty and instability un- or instability with this thing they're calling the fiscal cliff, how real or unreal that might, not, might be or might not be. The anxieties and the anxiousness are true and they are real. With the uncertainty concerning our national security and all of the things that surround us all around the globe, things that are taking place in the Middle East and Egypt and all around the world, it's always good to be reminded that we serve a great and mighty God. Amen? I know that title might not reflect that, but when I'm done, that's exactly what it reflects, that we serve a great and mighty God. It's exactly like the song we sang that blessed us so richly, that we serve a great and mighty God. It's always good to be reminded that even though we might not know what tomorrow holds, we know who holds tomorrow. Amen. That is Jehovah God. The one that holds tomorrow and holds all of our uncertainties in our hand is the Creator God. Uh, The one who created the heavens and the earth, and He's the one that knows how to take care of our problems. Amen. But it's always good to be reminded of that. I know, like I said, when you look at my title, to some it might seem heretical. To some it might seem blasphemous. To some, it might seem contradictory to all the things that I just said when I opened. But the truth is, every single one of us can be as encouraged by what God can't do as by what He can do. And before you start throwing tomatoes at me, 
before you lose confidence in my ability to teach you the, the real Word of God, what you have to understand is that because He is God, because He is perfect, because He is just, because He is loving and patient and altogether lovely, because He is God, there are some things He cannot do because they would contradict His character, because they would contradict His nature, and because they would contradict His Word. Therefore, there are some things that God can't do, and I'll explain that as we go, church. What you need to understand, whether you know it or not, is God, according to the Word of God, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, He cannot deny Himself. And when you study that Word, it makes it very clear that there are some things that God can't do. Because if He did them, they would contradict who He says He is, who His Word defines Him to be, and who we, we believe Him to be, church. Therefore, because He is God... There are some things he cannot do. And over today and the next week, I'm going to look at seven of those things. For example, God, because he is God, cannot grow weary and he cannot grow weak. Because he is God, he cannot take on a task that he cannot handle. Because he is God, he cannot break a promise and he cannot tell a lie. Because he is God, he cannot remember or hold against us a sin that he has already forgiven. Because He is God, He cannot abandon you. Because He is God, He doesn't stop or can't stop thinking about you. Because He is God, He cannot stop loving you. These are just seven of the many things God can't do because He is God. And because if He did them, like I said, He would contradict His very nature. I don't know about you, but I find comfort in the fact that there are some things that God can't do. I find comfort in the fact that God can't hold against me a past that He's already forgiven. I take comfort in the fact that He doesn't dig up my past and doesn't dig up a sin that I've already repented over, already wept over, and that He has already said He's thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. I find comfort in that fact. I don't know about you, but I find comfort in the fact that He can't keep His mind off of me. I find comfort in the fact that in, the, in no matter what situation I might find myself in, no matter how difficult the situation I might be in, God can't abandon me, church. I find comfort in the fact that He cannot tell a lie and that He can't alter the words that have come out of His mouth. I find comfort in the fact that He can't stop loving me, church. No matter how much I mess up, no matter how much I disappoint Him, He can't stop loving me. These are just some of the things that God can't do. I know it's just a play on words, but it is a reality that if He did any of these things, He would not be God. The reality is if He stopped loving you, He would no longer be God. The reality is if He stopped thinking about you, He would no longer be God. If He gave up on you in the middle of a storm, He would not be God. But because He is God, there are some things He cannot do. And it's what I'm going to look at over this week and next, according to the Word of God. One of the first things that I listed, one of the first things that God can't do is to get tired. He can't grow weary and He can't grow weak, church. Isaiah 40, 28 says this. He's speaking to his own people and he says, Have you not known and have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor grows weary or tired. It's one of the things God can't do, church. He can't grow tired and he can't grow weary because he is the everlasting God. 
I don't know about you again, but I'm grateful I have an everlasting God. I'm grateful that I serve an everlasting God. He's the God that never runs dry. He's a God that never runs out. He's a God that never gives up. He never gives in. He neither faints nor grows tired or weary, the Bible says. And what you need to understand is that God presented this word to his own people. The people who he called a royal priesthood and a holy nation. He spoke these words to his people who were living and acting like they had never heard that he was the everlasting God. They were living and acting and even speaking like they never knew that he was the creator of the ends of the earth that neither slumbers or never sleeps. And the sad reality is far too often you and I act just the same way. The sad reality is, for many of us, we have found ourselves in occasions, in storms, in trials or tribulations, where we think God has gone to sleep. Where we think God has turned His back on us, turned His eye on us, and He's off somewhere on the far side of the sea trying to catch a nap. And the reality is, God can't grow tired and God can't grow weak. And the reality is, we should find comfort and encouragement in what God can't do. I know that this might seem weird to you the way it sounds, but it is the reality and it's the word that I want to bring forth to you. So often we find ourselves just like the children of Israel when God spoke these words, anxious over everything, failing to be still and know that he is God. You've been there, church. You've been in the middle of a mess and your whole life is a wreck because you haven't learned how to be still and know that he is God. But the reality is, I believe with all of my heart, if we would truly understand and truly believe the fact that God can't grow weary and God can't grow tired, that he never slumbers and he never sleeps, our lives would be much different. What you and I have to understand is that far too often we act like I said, when, when we're surrounded by situation, when we're ra- surrounded by circumstance, when we're surrounded by trouble or by trial, we act. And we even talk and confess from our own lips like we believe God has wandered off somewhere on the other side of the universe, like I said, trying to catch a nap, going to sleep on the job, acting like he's some sort of hireling instead of the good shepherd who never slumbers and never sleeps. Far too often we act like we don't know that he is the everlasting God. Far too often we talk like he is not the everlasting God. Anytime, listen, anytime you and I begin to grumble and complain about the circumstances and situations we're facing, anytime we begin to confess negativity, guess what? We are not acting like we believe that He is the everlasting God. We, be, we act and talk far too often like He's slumbering and like He's sleeping. David said in Psalm 121.3, The one who watches over you doesn't slumber and he doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber, and he doesn't sleep. He's never caught off guard. He's never trying to catch a cat nap somewhere. He's never trying to catch up on his sleep. He's never taking what we call power naps. He's never, church, slumbering, and he's never sleeping. He's the one that keeps an ever-watchful eye over his people. From the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, God's eyes are upon you. 
when you're in the middle of a trial or in the middle of a tribulation, when you're in the middle of a conflict, in the middle of sadness or in the middle of sorrow, God's not napping somewhere. He's watching over you, church. The reality is he never slumbers and he never sleeps. He is El Roi, the God who constantly sees. He sees us. When we're sleeping, he sees us when we're awake. I know that we sing that song about Santa Claus. He knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. But the reality is God is the only one that watches you constantly. Amen? He's the only one that knows when you've been naughty. He's the only one that knows when you've been nice. He only, he's the only one that watches you while you're sleeping, church. He is El Roi, the God who constantly sees. The reality is, you and I should find comfort in the fact that God never slumbers and never sleeps. As difficult as our situation might be, we can't be like the disciples who found themselves in the middle of a storm and panicked and ran back and shook Jesus because they thought he was sleeping and turned their back on him. The reality reality is, if you study that, he was just at peace according to his Father's will. I can get real theologically with theological with you. Yes, he was asleep in the back, but he had already spoke his word. He had already spoke his plan. He had already spoke his desire. According in that word, he said to the disciples before the storm came, let us go to the other side. That was his plan. That was, his, that was his word, that was his promise, to get them to the other side. And the reality is, listen, between here and paradise, trouble will come your way. Between here and paradise, or between here and your promise, trouble and storms and trials and tribulations will come your way. And no matter how difficult they get, you can't panic like the disciples and think God has gone to sleep on you, church. But the sad reality is, that's exactly what we think. We get a bad diagnosis from the doctor and we think God's not watching, God's not looking, God don't care, God doesn't love. Something goes wrong and difficulty comes into our life. We have, we have difficulty in our marriage, difficulty in our home, difficulty with our finances, and we think God's gone to sleep. But the reality is because He is God, He cannot slumber and He cannot sleep, church. It's why we, be, why we can be encouraged tonight by what God can't do. Encouraged by the fact that he can't get tired and he can't grow weary, church. Please understand, God doesn't grow weary of wiping away our tears. He doesn't grow weary of picking us up when we fall, when we stumble, when we trip. He doesn't grow weary, church, of listening to our prayers. He doesn't grow weary of listening to our cry. He doesn't grow weary, church, and tired uh, of, of holding you fast with his strong right arm. He cannot tire under the task, church, or fall asleep when you need him the most. But the sad reality is sometimes we act that way. Sometimes we talk that way. But we need to, be in, we need to learn to be encouraged, church, by what God can't do. Because the fact is, he is an everlasting God. Please understand, if you wake in the middle of the night, God will be there waiting for you. If you wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning, God will be there waiting for you. Just like he was with Paul and Silas in the middle of a prison cell after being beaten half to death and not knowing what tomorrow would hold. At 12 o'clock midnight, when the clock struck 12, guess who they found waiting with them? It was God himself. The, the, the reality is there's no hour too late or no hour too early for us to meet with God. There's no time in your day that God is slumbering or sleeping and cannot meet your need according to his riches and glory. 
There's no hour too early that you can get up that God won't be get that God won't already be awake waiting for you, church. Why do you think David was able to say, "Oh Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayers unto you and will look up?" Because he knew God never slumbered. He knew God never slept. He was the very one that said, my God never sleeps and never slumbers. It's why he directed his prayer to him in the morning. It's why he directed his prayer to him at noon. And it's why he directed his prayer to him in the middle of the night. Because he knew God was always attentive to his prayer. I don't know about you, church, but I'm glad I serve a God that doesn't go to sleep. Amen? Listen, we might go to sleep on God, but he doesn't go to sleep on us. Listen, I've seen it plenty of times standing up here as a pastor. We go to sleep on God. We go to sleep when we open up His Word. We go to sleep in the prayer closet. We go to sleep when the pastor's preaching, but God doesn't go to sleep on us. Amen? He never slumbers and He never sleeps, church. He can't because He is God. Because He is an everlasting God. Everlasting God. You might not have thought of it, but I do. When I watched that, when I read that and I wrote that, the, one of the things that I thought about was Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory and the Everlasting Gobstopper. I don't know how many of you remember that, but that for some strange reason, that's what came to my mind. Didn't matter how much you used it. Didn't no matter how much you licked on it. Didn't matter how much you, you wet it. it. It just, it was the Everlasting Gobstopper. Never ran out, never lost its flavor, never lost its taste. And I'm not comparing God to a gobstopper, but I want you to understand that God's far greater than that. He never loses his power. He never loses his mercy. He never loses his temper. He never loses his love. He never loses his grace. He never loses his power, church. He is the everlasting God. And we need to understand that. You and I need to understand, when you look at that, everlasting God means that He doesn't have an expiration date on Him. He doesn't have an expiration date. When you go into the supermarket, the first thing you and I look for is what the expiration date is, because we want to make sure we get something fresh. We don't want to drink sour milk. We don't want to drink something that's gone bad. We don't want to eat day-old cookies and crackers and those things that are stale. The reality is, expiration dates are important to us, and it's important to our God as well. But your God and my God doesn't have an expiration date, because He is the everlasting God. You and I need to realize that He's as powerful today as he, as he was when He parted the Red Sea. He's as powerful today as He was when He tore down the walls of Jericho. He's as powerful today as the day that He stood in the valley of Elah and brought down Goliath. Because He is the everlasting God, church. He cannot grow weary and He cannot grow tired and He does not slumber and He does not sleep. Why? Because He's the everlasting God. The reality is God cannot burn out. Doesn't matter how much you try to use Him or abuse Him. You can't burn out God. You can't burn up God. I don't care how many times you try to light the candle. He, God can't burn up. He don't go out. He's got an everlasting flame. He doesn't go out, church. His power doesn't go out in the middle of a storm. It doesn't matter how strong your storm might be. And I'm not talking about an earthly storm. I'm talking about spiritual storms. I'm talking about when the kingdom of darkness comes against the kingdom of light, God's light never goes out. The only way it goes out is when you cover it up, church. The reality is if you keep the cover off, if you keep it off with faith, listen, when you doubt, you cover up the flame. 
When you doubt and grumble and complain and question God, you cover up that flame. But if you keep the flame of faith going in your life, listen, darkness can't overtake you, church. He's the everlasting God. He never goes out, church, in the storm, no matter how strong the storm might be. He's not like a car that needs a jump start after a cold morning, church, because his battery doesn't run dry. He doesn't need some backup generating generator running all through the night because his power never goes out. And yet the sad reality is sometimes we act like that. We go into a tizzy, we go into a panic, we go into a fret, we go into a depression. Why? Because we don't believe that he's God. Because we don't believe that he's awake. We don't believe that he's watching. We don't believe that he has the power, church, that we need in our time of need. It's a sad reality, and I'm not bringing this as a condemning word. I'm trying to encourage you, and I'm trying to encourage myself, that He is an everlasting God. And He can't grow weary, and He can't grow tired, church. Listen, I don't care how many times you've knocked on His door. I don't care how many times you've called and cried out His name. I don't care how many times you've gone to Him in prayer or called out, like I said, in your time of need, or how many times you've fallen flat on your face and God has to reach down or had to reach down and pick you back up. God cannot grow weary, church. He can't grow weary and He cannot faint under the weight, even the weight of our failures. Listen, we've all had some fantastic failures and flops in our life, but God didn't grow weary in the middle of them, amen? God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on me. He's working on us each and every day because He's the everlasting God. Every day He's trying to take you from glory to glory. Every day He's trying to take you from blessing to blessing. Every day He's trying to take you from one goodness to another goodness. Every day He's trying to transform you and me more into His likeness, church. He won't give up, can't give up. He continues because he's the everlasting God and he cannot get tired, church. He can't grow weary of fighting your fires and calming your storms. He can't grow weary of moving mountains and tearing down walls. He can't grow weary of speaking that word into your life or directing your path. He can't grow weary of mending your marriage or mending your family or mending your children or mending your finances. He can't grow weary of raising the sick and making them well, church. He can't grow weary of helping you in your very time of need. And yet we act sometimes like he does. Well, I don't know if I can go to God again. I don't know if he'll hear me again. And we get this self-righteous, pious pity upon ourselves. And we act like our sin is greater than God. We act like our failure is greater than God. But the reality is, listen to me, God cannot grow weary, church, even of forgiving us. All the way until the end of the age. Listen, the man who lived his entire life as a thief and a sinner... And a man of debauchery, his entire life was given over to filth and flesh. And in the last moment of his breath, he asked Jesus to forgive him, and God did. Why? Because he can't grow weary, church. Listen, I don't know about you, but that encourages me that when I find myself in the middle of a mess, I don't need to hesitate to go to God because He can't grow weary of me. I'm not a perfect man. I make mistakes, and I thank God that He doesn't grow weary of me after my first, second, third, fourth, fifth mistake. He's there ready to welcome me, heal me, restore me, forgive me, church, because He can't grow weary can't grow tired and he can't give up. 
because He is the everlasting God. As strange as it might sound, we can be encouraged by what God can't do, church. Amen? Second thing God can't do is to take on a task that He cannot tackle. God cannot take on a task that He cannot tackle. You see, you and I might not be able to take on every task that comes our way. I know there's tasks that have come my way that I couldn't tackle on my own. Difficulties and trials and tribulations that have come my way that I couldn't overcome on my own. I either needed a friend or family or, or, or my faith or ultimately I needed God. You see, the reality is there are some tasks that will come our way that we will avoid because we're afraid to fail. Or afraid that if I take on that task, I'll lose. If I take on that challenge, I'll lose. So there's certain tasks that we won't even enter into or attempt to do because we're afraid we'll fail or we're afraid we'll lose. But the reality is, listen, my God can't fail and my God can't lose. Because like I said, there is nothing that he can't tackle. He cannot take on a task that he cannot tackle, church. And that's what you and I need to understand. Jeremiah 32, 17 states this truth very clearly. It says, O Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and with your outstretched arm, and there is nothing too difficult for you. Nothing too difficult for you. Listen, if we truly believe that, if we truly had that deep understanding and lived according to that reality because, listen, that is a reality. This isn't some fable. This isn't some make-believe story. This is fact and reality. There is nothing too difficult for God. And if we truly live by that, if that became the foundation of our faith walk, church, listen, we would be doing some incredible things for the kingdom of God. Amen? We would be. Listen, I'm pointing at myself before I'm even pointing at you. But the reality is there's not a single task that God cannot accomplish on your behalf. There's not a single burden too big for him to bear. There's not a single mountain that's too large for him to move, church. There's not a single giant that he can't slay. There's not a sea big enough for him to not be able to separate like he did with the Red Sea and Moses' church. What you and I need to understand is that the one who brought the universe into being with a single word can handle whatever difficulty comes your way. Whatever difficulty, whatever obstacle you might be facing tonight is not too difficult for God. If a single word, if with a single word, church, he could create the heavens and the earth. If with a single word he could hang the sun and hang the moon and hang the stars and keep the oceans at bay, with a single word, if he could do that, why do we think that he can't take on the task that we put before him, church, when the reality is he's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what we can think or ask of him? We ask him to do things, and yet we think we can't do it. We ask Him to do things, and then we're surprised when He does. Because the sad reality is, we don't truly believe that there is no task that He can't tackle. Because if we did, we would go to Him quicker than we do. Why is it sometimes, listen, why is it sometimes we run to the pastor, we run to the friends, we run to the doctor, we run to the pharmacy, We run to the counselor. We run to all of these other places, persons, and things before we run to God. Why? 
Because I don't think we truly understand God. I think we truly don't believe in God. I believe there are times where we think God sleeps. I believe we think there are times that God slumbers. I believe we think there's times that God doesn't see me. I think we believe that there are times that our task is too big for God. Pastor can handle it. Staff can handle it. My neighbor can handle it. The bank can handle it. The counselor can handle it. Someone else can handle it. But God can't handle it. The one that set the moon in its place, church, can't handle our task. The reality is God cannot take on a task that He cannot handle, church. Listen, with the power it says... You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm, and there is nothing too difficult for you. With with His great power and outstretched arm, He delivered the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. He delivered the children of Israel from the power of Pharaoh, church, and He brought them into a promised land, and He can do the same exact thing for you. I don't know what bondage you might be in, but God can deliver you just like He delivered the children of Israel. Just like He brought the children of Israel into their promised land, He can bring you into His promised land as well by His great power and with His outstretched arm. With His great power and His outstretched arm, in the same story, He parted the Red Sea and He held back the River Jordan. And he can hold back the enemy against you too. The Bible tells me that when the devil comes in like a flood, the devil raises up a standard against him. So that what the devil is bringing against me can't affect me. The Bible also tells me that when the devil comes in one way, God has the power to drive him out seven ways, church. You see, if we believed that and understood that and confessed that and prayed that and sang that and believed that, our lives would be different, church. But the reality is God can't take on a task He can't handle. There's no river too big that God can't push back. There's no sea too big that He can't part and allow you to pass through, church. There's no body of water that's too big spiritually that God can't make a way for you, church. Because God can't take on a task that He can't handle. Listen, with His outstretched arm and His great power, He brought down the walls of Jericho that stood in the way of the Promised Land. If you know the story, they had access to one side of the Promised Land and access to the other. But the central most richest part of the Promised Land was blocked by Jericho. And the only way they could inhabit that promise was for those walls to come down. Listen, if God can tear down those walls for for Joshua and his people, he can tear down your walls as well. I don't care what wall stands between you and your promise. I don't care what lie stands between you and your promise. I don't care what demon stands between you and your promise. If you trust in God and believe in God and understand that there is no task too big for Him, your wall will come down too. Amen? Listen, these people had to march around the wall seven times, but they did because they trusted that this task isn't too big for God. This wall's not too big for God. This miracle's not too big for God. And they marched and they marched and they marched. The sad reality is we march one time one day. And we begin to think God lost His power. We begin to think God's asleep somewhere. We begin to think God's not able and God's not capable. When the reality is, listen, you might need to just march a little bit longer. You may need to pray a little bit longer. You may need to stay in the Word a little bit longer. But please understand, if you truly believe that there is no task too big for God, 
that he can't tackle whatever task comes before him, your walls will come down too. Reality is, every single one of us have walls today. The reality is, and you can name it, the wall that's standing between you and your promise. A wall or a giant standing between you and your promise. An obstacle standing between you and your promise. And I want you to understand tonight that God cannot take on a task that's too big for Him. God cannot take on a job that He cannot see through, church. It's what you and I need to understand. With His outstretched arm and by His great power, even more incredible than any story we've read so far, He was able to stop the sun at noon in order to bring victory to Joshua again. Not only did He tear down a wall for Joshua... He he literally stopped the sun. The Bible says that the sun stopped Joshua so he could win. And I don't want to get all into the story. But Joshua was in the middle of a battle. Joshua was in the middle of a trial and a tribulation. Trouble had surrounded Joshua and he wanted victory. And the only way that he could get victory was somehow God to intervene and stop the sun so he had more daylight in order to conquer the enemy. Listen, I, I believe with all of my heart that when Joshua prayed for the sun to stop, he, he wasn't thinking about anything scientific. He wasn't thinking about the weight of the globe or the weight of the world that is 6.6 sextrillion tons of earth. That's one sextrillion is a one with 21 zeros behind it. That's how many tons this earth is. I want you to understand that when Joshua prayed that prayer, he didn't know anything about how heavy the earth was. I don't even know if he knew that the earth was round or if he thought the earth was flat. The only thing I know is that he knew his God was big enough to stop the sun and bring victory into his life. He didn't care about the scientific evidence. He didn't care about any other kind of mumbo-jumbo. He didn't care how God did it or how God was able to do it. He just knew his God could do it. And he prayed it. God, stop the sun so I can win. That's what he prayed. But we get so oh intellectual about stuff. We begin to question the ability of God. Well, listen, you tell this story to a bunch of people and they begin to break it down and get all intellectual about it. Well, if God stopped the earth, listen, you all know as well as I do that the earth rotates and the the earth spins on an axis and rotates around the sun. Okay? But Joshua asked God to stop the sun. Really, all he asked for is, I need more daylight. Okay? However you do it, God, I just need more daylight. If you stop the earth from spinning as fast as it does, then do that. If you need to put your hand out up over the heavens and cause the sun to, to, the, 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 the light rays to bend around the earth so I can have more light here, do that, God. If you need to just stop the earth completely, do that, God. I don't care how you do it. This is what I need. But we get so scientific about it. Well, that couldn't have happened and that couldn't have happened. All I know is that for about a day, God gave Joshua more sunlight and the enemy was defeated on that day. If with his great power and his outstretched arm, he can grab the globe and slow it down, church, don't tell me he can't tackle your task. Don't tell me he can't move your mountain. Don't tell me he can't kill your Goliath. Don't tell me he can't overcome your obstacle, church. Don't tell me he can't turn your marriage around. Don't tell me he can't turn your son or daughter around. Don't tell me he can't turn your mind around because there's no task God cannot accomplish. 
There's nothing God can't do. There is nothing too difficult for Him. We read these stories and we think they're make-believe. We read these stories and I'm thinking, good Lord, if we truly understood God's power and might and ability to move in the lives of His people, think of the things we would be accomplishing. Think about what we would be accomplishing, church. God, if you can stop the sun, if you can stop the earth, slow it down. Do this in my life, God. I know you can. I believe you can. I believe you can turn this situation around. I believe you can turn my night into day. There's another occasion in Scripture where God, I don't know how he did it, but the Bible says that he turned back the sun. He didn't just cause the sun to stand still for Joshua, but for Hezekiah and King Ahaz, he had literally turned the earth back 10 degrees, the Bible says. You can get into a bunch of scientific stuff, but there are astronomers that have found gaps in our astronomic calendar. A full 24 hours. An astronomer by the name of Totten actually discovered that there are astronomical gaps in our astronomical calendar that equal 24 hours. And if you take this time where the earth was turned back 10 degrees and you take about a day God gave to Joshua, it accounts for that 24 hours. It accounts for that full day. Don't tell me God can't do what you put before Him, church. Listen to the, the power of God with His great power and with his outstretched arm he did many many miracles all throughout scripture and yet we believe we live we act we talk we speak and confess like this little thing is too big for god god i don't know if you can really give me my raise i don't know if you can really get my light bill paid i don't believe that I, that's the way we confess sometimes. But what you and I need to learn is to be encouraged by what God can't do. And God cannot take on a task that's too big for Him. Amen? So whatever your need is, whatever your struggle is, whatever your mountain may be, be encouraged by what God can't do tonight. Amen? Listen, if you think your burden's too big for God, if you think your hurt's too heavy for God, then you don't know God. You don't know God like these individuals knew God. If I allow myself to get into a tizzy, if I allow myself to go into a fret and depression and all this, then I don't know God like these men know God. Their lives were changed because they allowed God to prove Himself in their life. They prayed the impossible. You and I need to start learning to pray the impossible, church. We need to not pray that the doctor do a good job. We need to pray that God does a good job before we even go to the doctor. Amen? We need to believe that by His stripes we're healed. We need to believe that His promises are yes and amen to those who believe. But listen, oh, that takes work, God. Why do you think the children of Israel cried out for a king? They were tired of praying. They were tired of fasting. They were tired of, of, of making the sacrifices they need to, to allow the power of God to move into their lives. We're living in a society that's very similar to that. We want the government to do everything for us. We count on a man or we count on a political party or we count on some political persuasion to meet all of our needs. When we got a God that said, I'll meet your needs according to your riches and glory. Please understand, God lifts up kings and He brings down kings. He raises up kingdoms and He brings down kingdoms. And if your hope is in a man, you're going to be sorely disappointed. If your hope is in a political party, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Because one day they'll all come crumbling down. You and I need to learn to trust in God, Jehovah God, the creator of the heavens and the universe, the one that never slumbers, the one that never sleeps, the one that can't grow tired. 
The one who cannot take on a task that he cannot accomplish, church. The truth is, listen, if he can open the eyes of the blind and cause the lame to walk, he can feed 5,000 with a few fish and a couple loaves of bread, which I call pita pockets. That's all the little kid had. He fed 5,000 kids with it. If he can do that, church, if he can cause manna to rain down from heaven, if he can cause the clothes of his people to keep from wearing out, or for the soles on their sandals to never wear out. If you understand that? Forty years, they wore the same blue jeans. For 40 years, they wore the same sandals upon their feet. You can't wear a pair of sneakers more than six months before they start falling apart. For 40 years, they wore the same drawers. 40 years, they wore the same shoes. That's the power of God. He provided quail, provided manna. He brought water from a rock. If the same God, if our God can do that, don't tell me He can't meet your need, church. If He can forgive a prostitute and a sinner named Saul, church. If He could cause, church, like I said, miracles to happen in His people's lives. If He can part the Red Sea and walk on water. If He can cause a donkey to talk. If He can cause the rocks to cry out. If He can cause a whale to swallow a man named Jonah and keep him alive for three days in the belly at the bottom of the sea. Don't tell me there's a task too difficult for Him. Amen? Listen, the reality is we need to start living like there is nothing too big for God. Amen? We need to start living, confessing, praying, singing, acting like there is nothing too big for God. When you got a difficult situation coming up tomorrow, you need to rise up in the morning and do like David did. Oh, Lord, in the morning, will I direct my prayer unto you and look up? And I'm going to look up to you because I know my help comes from you. It's not going to come from man. It's not going to come from a pocketbook. It's not going to come from anyone else. My help's going to come from you. And if you could conquer these things, you can conquer my obstacle as well. You can do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what I can think you're capable of doing. So I'm not going to enter into this day with worry. I'm not going to enter into this day with fret. I'm not going to worry and enter into this day with depression ruling in my mind. Because there is no task too big for you. And that's how we need to start our days, church. Because listen, the devil wants to bring you down. The devil wants to ensnare you. The devil wants to keep you in Egypt or cause you to go back to Egypt if you've recently come out of Egypt. He'd rather you have a taste for onions and leeks instead of milk and honey. You get what I'm saying, church? If you don't know what I mean, when the children of Israel came out of the, out of the land of bondage, they got part way to the promised land. And instead of dining on milk and honey and all the good things God promised to them... Their taste buds desired leeks and onions instead. The same thing they served back in Egypt. And you and I need to be careful that the, the situations and the circumstances of our life don't change our spiritual taste buds. That we begin to taste and long after the things we ate while we were in bondage. Things like alcohol, things like pornography, things like drugs, things like lust, things like all of those things that we thought would satisfy our soul. And they didn't. They just made us slaves, church, just like the children of Israel. we got to get a taste for the things of God and the things that He has promised to us, church. This is what the Word of God is teaching. That wasn't in my notes, but this is what we need to understand. Reality is we need to start living like there's nothing too big for God.
Finally tonight, the third thing God can't do is break a promise or tell a lie. You've told them. I've told them. You've broken them. I've broken them. Every man on the face of this earth, every human has broken a promise and told a lie. Even George Washington, who said, I cannot tell a lie. But he did. And we do too. Even if it's a little untruth, it's a lie. If it's shaded, if it's gray, listen, it's a lie. The reality is everyone except God tells lies. Everyone except God. But he cannot tell a lie because it's, his, it would, it's the ultimate antithesis of his nature. It's the, the absolute opposite of who he is. God is truth, the Bible says. Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And the reality is, lie, father of lies, father of truth. You know the difference, but the reality is, listen, God cannot tell a lie and he cannot break a promise. He says in Psalm 89:34, my covenant I will not break nor alter the words that have come out of my lips. In other words, God was saying, if I say it, I'll do it. In other words, God was saying, I keep my word. In other words, God was saying, I keep my promise. What God was saying is, if I tell you that I'm going to do it, you can trust that I'm going to do it. I will not break my covenant, and I will not alter the words that have come out of my lips, church. He's not going to try to shade it after the fact. If he said it, he's going to do it. Numbers 23:19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he would change his mind. It goes on and asks, does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And the answer is absolutely not. Why? Because he cannot tell a lie. Because he cannot break his promise, church. Please understand, every word recorded in these pages of Scripture is true. Every single one of these promises are yes and amen, the Word of God says, to those who believe. There's over 2,000 promises between these two covers, church, and every one of those promises will be kept. Every one. They might not all be kept in your life, but every promise will be kept. The Bible says His promises are yes and amen to those who believe, church. Every prophecy, good or bad, will be fulfilled. You see, there's good prophecy and bad prophecy. Good prophecy is blessings and abundance into your life. And bad prophecy is curses and punishment and wrath and all of those things. But the reality is every single word that God speaks will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. God will send words into your life for the purpose of correction, for the purpose of encouragement, for the purpose of uh, rebuke, for the purpose of building up. And not a single word that God speaks into your life will return void. He will accomplish the very reason that He sends His word. The reality is, whether these promises are good or bad, whether they're recognized or not, whether they're understood or not, every single one of them will be done. His will and His word will be accomplished on this earth. We might not see them all, but I'm, tr I'm just trying to tell you that every word will be fulfilled. Because he cannot tell a lie and he cannot break his covenant, church. If God said it, God will do it. Because he is truth. And if he did anything else, it would contradict his character, church. It would contradict his nature or who he says he is. And the reality is, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If we would start living by this fact, if we would start living by the fact that when God speaks something into our lives and speaks a promise into our lives, he'll keep that promise, our lives would change, church. 
Our faith walk would be so much greater than it is if we would truly believe that he cannot tell a lie and he won't break a promise. Listen, there's some of you that God has spoken a promise to over the years. You can't let go of that promise. You can't let the devil take it away. You can't allow doubt and fear and confusion and all those other things to come into your life. You need to cling to that promise. As I wind this down, here's what I end with. The reality is God promised Caleb that he would give him every place upon which his foot would tread. And he did it, church. At 80 years old, you know, when he was about 40 years old, he wanted to go take the land. Joshua and Caleb wanted to go take the promised land. They wanted to go in and said, let us take the land. God can give it to us. God promised it to us, and he wanted to inhabit his promise. But because of the bad report and all the other the negative individuals that didn't believe, didn't trust, Caleb had to be patient. For 40 years, he trusted God. Every day, God, I'm waiting for my promise. He never gave up on God. For 40 years, he trusted that God would give him his promise. And 40 years later, he conquered the city, and he got what God promised him, church. Because he trusted in God. One of the sad reality is we can't even wait 40 days. Some of us can't even wait 40 minutes before we begin to think God's a liar. Before we begin to act and talk like God can't do what he said he would do. The sad reality is we want our city. We want our fortified city. But we don't have enough faith to get us there. Caleb received his promise, church, because he never gave up on God. Because he truly believed that God cannot tell a lie. The devil, I guarantee you, over those 40 years, think about it. You go one day and the devil begins to whisper lies into your life. He begins to whisper lies about your marriage, lies about your kid, lies about your finances, lies about your family, lies about your job. And we begin to listen. After a couple days, for 40 years, Joshua was listening to the lies that the devil would whisper into his ears. And I'm promising you, every single day, maybe not in these same words, he'd say to the devil, My God is not a man that he should lie. Will he speak and not act? Will he promise and not fulfill? That's what kept Joshua going for 40 years, church. We need to have that same confession in our life. I don't care what you're waiting for. I don't care what the promise is you're waiting for. Listen, again, the same God spoke to a dude that was 80 years old. His name was Abram. And his wife Sarai, Sarah later, and said, Hey, the two of you at your old age are going to have a kid. They laughed. They laughed at the angel of God who spoke a promise, a miracle into their life, and they laughed at it. But guess what? God did it anyway, amen? It might have taken 25 years, but God did it. You see, the sad reality is God could have done it like that, but it took 25 years for Abram and Sarah to learn a lesson. You want to know why it takes so long sometimes in our lives? We haven't learned our lesson yet. Going round and around and around because we hadn't learned our lesson yet. Because we're filled with negative confessions. Because we're filled with grumbling and complaining like the individuals in the, in the wilderness who died in the wilderness. Because they did not believe that God couldn't tell a lie. Listen, yours and my life would be utterly different 
if every single day we truly believed and acted and lived like everything in these pages, God, is yes and amen. I don't care what the devil tells me. I don't care what my husband speaks against me. My wife speaks against me. My neighbor speaks against me. I don't care what bickering comes my way, God. I am going to trust in your word. Because I know you cannot tell a lie. And I know you made a promise to me, God, that you were going to do this or you were going to do that. And I'm going to cling to that promise, God. Because I know that you care for me. You see, church, listen, the reality is you and I can be encouraged by some of the things God can't do. I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged by the fact that God can't lie. I'm encouraged by the fact that God's not going to change His words that He's spoken into my life, promises that He's made to me over the years. Some have been fulfilled and some I'm still waiting on. But I'm encouraged that no matter what the devil tells me, God's not a liar. I don't have to worry about that, church. I'm encouraged by the fact that there is no task that He can't handle. I'm encouraged by the fact, church, that my God never sleeps. He can't sleep. He can't slumber don't know about you, but I believe that you are encouraged as well. Amen? That we have a God that because of the things He can't do, it makes us greater and makes us better. If you're thankful for some of these things that God can't do, I want you to stand to your feet as I bring this to a close. Because here's what I'm going to close with. Next week, I'll try to finish up with the rest of these things. But for now, I want you to remember 2 Timothy 2.13 that says this, Even when we are faithless, He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He can't change his character. He can't change his nature. He can't change who he is, church. And that brings comfort to me. Because listen, the reality is, man, I change every day. My attitude changes every day. My goodness, my patience, my love, my all of those things change in my life every day. I don't want them to. And I pray that God makes them more stable and true every single day like God's. But what I can find comfort in the fact is that God never changes. He can't deny himself, church. So whatever situation you might be going through, whatever obstacle, difficulty, impossibility you might be facing, I want you to be encouraged by what God can't do. Amen? So whatever need you have, let's bring that to the Lord tonight. We just go in prayer. Father God, we just thank you for your word this evening.